Father, we come before you proclaiming this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, even as I proclaim this, I recognize a wrestling inside me where in part I want your kingdom to come and in part I want my kingdom to come. Father, I, I thank you for your patience and forgiveness for us in the midst of our own wrestling. Father, the, the song that we proclaimed even before that is we recognize our need for you. There is truth in that. In a given moment, I and many of us, we recognize our need for you. And in another moment, we can feel pretty self-sufficient. And Father, I invite you into those moments where we battle with our desires between our desire for your kingdom and our kingdom, between our acknowledgement that we're in need of you and our belief that we're okay on our own. Father, speak to us in those moments. Spirit, empower us to move out in those moments and respond to your love and your direction, your truth. I pray that as we listen to the teaching from your word this morning, that we would listen carefully to your word and we would respond and that we would do what you say. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we have been practicing over the last several weeks as we have stepped into this James sermon series. We begin each week with these words, and I want you to listen carefully again to these words that we've been repeating each Sunday. We are the beloved of the Lord. In love, He created us. In love, He came to us. In love, he died for us. In love, he makes us his own. Folding us into his love. Transforming us by his love. Sending us out in his love. By our love, this world will know that we are his. By our love, this world will see him in us as he lives his life of love in us and through us to the glory of God. And I have to admit, sometimes, sadly, I get tired of thinking about, of hearing about this call to live a life of love. And then I'm reminded I'm reminded that the love we're talking about isn't a liberal, all truth is relative, you should accept anything kind of love. It isn't a flimsy, avoid conflict and call that love kind of love. It isn't a mean, love truth and hate people kind of love. This is unmerited, sin-crushing, sinner-saving, life-giving, pure and perfect forever love from the living God. And I don't want to forget that. I don't want to ever get tired of being called into that. 
It's out of a deep understanding of that love that James writes to us. It's out of a deep inspiration from that love that James writes these words and he challenges us to be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to anger. So James understands that the character of this loving God, this, that's the way he treats us, that's the way he calls us to step into living like him, that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So I wonder how we've done at that this last week. As you scroll back through some of your interactions with people, some of your conversations, has it been true of you that you have been quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? The next verses of James that we'll look at this morning, we'll see James is going just one step deeper into this call to listen. You can turn to James 1, verses one through tw- um, verses 21 through 27. And as we read through that, we'll see that James challenges us not just to be listeners of the word, but to be doers of the word. So he tells us two things in these verses. He says, accept the word and follow the word. So let's listen together as we Read James 1, verses 21 through 27. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world." So in the first verse, in 21, James sets up this contrast between the moral filth and evil, and he says, get rid of that, and um, between this idea of humbly accepting the word planted in you. So he tells us to get rid of moral filth and evil and humbly accept the word planted in us. I want, to, I want to step into both of those ideas for a moment and just look around so we can fully understand the contrast between them and what James is calling us to do when he says get rid of one and accept the other. 
So when we step into this idea, moral filth and evilness, and we, we look around, um, what comes to my mind are these, these just horrific realities of human trafficking and the reality of human trafficking being um, intrinsically tied to pornography and recognizing that the pornography and the human trafficking industry is a multi-billion dollar industry in our world. And that is horrific. And I, I think of the war that um, Julie was mentioning in her prayer this morning and, and violence and destruction all over and mistreatment of human beings all over our world. And I think of the depth of that that is moral filth and evil. And it's easy in a moment for me to think that is, that's outside of me. That's not what I'm being pulled into Yet if I look deeper, I recognize what's at the core of those things that we all acknowledge as horrific. What's at the core of those are these pursuits of selfish ambition, whether it's a um, pursuit of uh, money or, or fame or pleasure. Um, there's these selfish pursuits at the core that when they run far enough, they land people in these places. And we have to acknowledge that while, while I might not feel like I'm all the way there, I recognize the core desires of that, that selfish pursuits I recognize those in myself. So, so I recognize those in me, and, and I ask this question, why, why does anyone ever walk down that path of moral filth and evil? And it's because we're born with a nature that seeks our own glory instead of God's glory. And every step down that path towards my own glory is fueled by selfish pursuits. And we all find ourselves in given moments taking strolls down that path. James tells us very specifically, get rid of those things. Get off that path. If you find yourself on that path, then, then repent, turn around, get off that path, confess what you've done. So I, I think even in this moment, just, just to acknowledge that um, any of us, as we look past in this day or this week, and we see ways that we have walked down that path, we've begun to follow what initially seemed like harmless, selfish pursuits, and, and we just follow those further and further. And I want us to recognize where those go. They're all in the same category of some of these awful moral filth and evil um, ideas that we're thinking about. It's, it's all in the same category, and we need to get off that path and confess. And as we confess, the Bible promises us that God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. That's an incredible promise. So James is saying, get rid of those things. Get off that path and humbly accept the word planted in you. Ephesians 1.13 says, Having believed, we were, um, we were marked with the Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Jesus tells us later that he says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So we have been given the Holy Spirit 
It's interesting, this idea of accepting that which has been planted in us is both passive and it's active. God gives us the Spirit. He gives us His Word, and we are called to accept Him, accept His Word. So to accept Him is to receive Him, to welcome Him in, to take Him in. This illustration helps me if I think about... um, how we might respond to a salesperson at our door. Um, Maybe we don't even answer the door. We don't even welcome them in or or receive them at all. We don't even answer the door. Perhaps um, we might crack the door open enough to tell them, no thanks. Um, Maybe in a a moment of compassion, we step outside, we step onto the, the doorstep, we hear them out before we say, no, thank you. But none of those is welcoming, receiving, taking them in. So the way that we might greet an old friend as they come to the door That's when we greet them with a hug. We welcome them in. We bring them in, not just to the area right inside our door, but we bring them into our family room, and we might invite them to share a meal with us. And if they're an out-of-town friend, we might invite them to stay with us, and we we give them access to our guest room or our basement or our couch, and and we take them in so they experience all that we, we take them fully in. That is what it is to accept to welcome in, to receive, to take in this word that the Lord has planted in us. Receive him and allow him to make his way into every aspect of your life. The word is in part the voice of the Holy Spirit who resides in each follower, and the word is in part the inspired record of of God's law and his prophets of Jesus' teachings. To humbly accept the word is to welcome, to receive, to take in deeply the voice of the Holy Spirit and the teachings of the Bible. The humility comes in the sense that that as we take in this guest, we are setting aside our, um, our current way of life and we are adopting a new way of life that is honoring and serving our guests. Am I humbly accepting the Word, the Spirit, and allowing Him to make His way into every aspect of my life? I think that's an important reflective question for us to ask of ourselves. James then writes that the Word can save you. One scholar says this is a triple, a triple pattern of salvation where the word planted in you has saved you, is saving you, and will save you. The work of the Spirit and the follower of Jesus is both past, present, and future. It is finished, yet it's ongoing. James encourages us to get rid of of the moral filth and evil, and to humbly accept the word planted in us. The next thing that James tells us to do is this. He says, follow the word. His summary of this passage, and in fact, his summary of really the whole book, comes in verse 22 when he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
He then gives this great illustration about a man who looks in the mirror and then walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like because he wasn't really looking in the mirror, right? I think of, um, it'll take me a minute to get here, but you'll see the connection, I hope. I think of a time when I was a freshman in college and I had this eight o'clock world civilizations class. And the first exam we had in that class, I, I slept in that morning. And I woke up just moments before the test was about to begin. And I leaped out of bed. I threw on my clothes. I ran to the bathroom and brushed my teeth. Because, of course, having good breath is more important than getting in class on time. So, so I brush my teeth. And I grab my bag. And I run to class. And I get there just in time. There's, there's only seats in the front of the class because everybody's there. And I sit down. And I'm taking a breath. I'm huffing and puffing. The bell rings. The class has started. They, they pass out the test. So I take the test, and, and I'm a slow test taker, so most people are finishing before I am, and they, they finish up their tests, and they walk by the front of the room, and they hand their test, uh, put their test on the professor's desk. And a number of people, as they walk by me, they're, they're looking at me in kind of a funny way. And I'm wondering, why are they looking at me like that? Um, so a number of people do that. I finally finish my test, and I walk out, and I run into a friend, and a friend says, Brentley, you have something on your face. So I go into the bathroom, and I look at the mirror, and I realize I have about five large white dots of this pimple medication called Oxy. <laughs> so with Oxy, the way it worked is you, you put it on your pimples before you go to bed at night. You let it sit all night, and in the morning, you should look in the mirror and see that it's there and wash it off. Well, it turns out I, I was brushing my teeth. I looked in the mirror in the morning, but, but I wasn't really looking in the, in the mirror because it didn't change anything. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't take in what I saw. I wasn't really looking in the mirror. So that's kind of what's going on with this illustration. When James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, to deceive yourself would be to act as if mere listening is enough. But looking in the mirror doesn't wash the oxy off your face. You need to do something about what you see in the mirror. The kind of listening that James is encouraging us towards is listening that accepts and welcomes the word in so deeply that you take it in and it impacts you, it changes you, it informs you. You say, oh, I have oxy on my face, and you respond to it. I'm going to wash the oxy off my face. In verse 25, James continues to, to reinforce this same point. And he says, if you look intently into the perfect law and follow it, you'll be blessed. So look, really look into the mirror. Really look into the law. And if you really look into it and follow it, you'll be blessed. So first, James is using the law in a different way than Paul is using the law when he writes about the law. And, and he uses it in a different way than most Jews see the law. When James writes about the law, he's writing about Jesus' teachings and Jesus' um, perspective on the Old Testament and the law, Jesus' fulfilling of the, the law and the prophets. So, so when James talks about this um, perfect law, 
he's talking about what Jesus has taught us and the way Jesus views and fulfills the Old Testament. So perfect law for James is synonymous with the word that James has been talking about. Humbly accept the word, the perfect law that has been planted in you. Now, in regards to blessing, he says, and you will be blessed when you do this. This blessing isn't a mystery. You look in the mirror, you accept it as trustworthy, you notice you have oxy on your face, then you wash it off, you'll be blessed when you do this. Take it from me. <laughs> so listen carefully to the word, accept it as trustworthy, notice how it calls you and empowers you to respond, then you respond with action. You'll be blessed when you do this. In verses 26 and 27, James gets really practical for us. First, he makes it clear that religion that the living God accepts is not actually a collection of practices as much as it is faith in the Son of God. So the religion of faith, which pleases God, involves washing the oxy off your face. It involves doing the things the Word, the Spirit, the law instructs you to do. Faith involves living a life of love. So here's where James gives three practical instructions along these lines. First of all, he says, keep a tight rein on your tongue. Ephesians 4.29 says, um, it, it unpacks that, and it says, uh, do... Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. Does that describe the words you use with your peers, with your spouse or your kids or your coworkers? These words that build others up according to their needs. James is telling us to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Use wholesome, upbuilding, uh, uplifting words with others. Secondly, he says, look after the helpless and the needy. We can look around and it's, it's orphans, it's widows for us in our community, but, and it's many others who are helpless and needy. And to look, really look in the mirror, to listen to the word and put it into action is to offer help to those who are helpless and needy. This is where I want to pause and just invite the Spirit to speak to us. And there may be ways in which any of you feel prompted that I need to step deeper into this kind of action and rhythm and pursuit in my life of looking out for and helping with the needs of the helpless and the needy. There's so many ways that many of you do that in our community already. There are ways that our covenant family, that we're doing that individually, or ways that we are supporting organizations that do that in our community. Organizations like LUM and Trinity Mission and Bravely um, Women's Health, these organizations come alongside and they help those who are helpless and needy. 
There's uh, families who have taken part in foster, uh, being a foster family or in adoption. There's people volunteering with CASA. And all of these things have eyes on those who are helpless and needy. And there are many other ways that we can do that in our community. And, and if that's something that you feel nudged in this moment, that God, I think you're calling me to take another step into doing something very practical to help those who are helpless and needy, then I would love to hear from you and have a conversation with you about some ways that you could take steps further into that area to obey what James, what Jesus is calling us to do to help those who are helpless and needy because there's many, many of those situations in our community. Third, James says, to keep yourself from being polluted from the world. So this doesn't mean to stay separate from the world. Jesus shows us this prime example where Jesus didn't say separate from the world. He came in deep, deep into the mess of the world. So when James says, keep yourself from being polluted by the world, it does not mean stay separate. Jesus showed us how to get in deep, but it does mean to be vigilant and monitoring the messages that we take in. We know that there's so many messages through, through media or entertainment, dangerous messages that can grow these evil desires in us and, um, and drag us down this, these selfish pursuits into these horrible places of moral filth and evil. We know that that can come, those messages can come if we are not vigilant about protecting ourselves from what we're taking in. So, How is the word speaking to you in this moment? What should you commit to doing this week? What should we commit to doing this week in regards to these very practical suggestions, instructions? Listen to the word and do what it says. Imagine you're standing in front of the mirror and you've noticed you have oxy on your face. And you reason with yourself, you know what, I don't have time right now, I'll I'll take care of it later. Or you reason with yourself that, you know what, maybe it's actually good to keep it on a little longer, I'll think about it later. That's ridiculous. Perhaps many of us are stuck doing the same thing right now. We know the Spirit has been prompting us to invite that coworker out to eat. Or we know the Spirit has been prompting us to speak a word of encouragement to that person who's hurting, or to stop using that inappropriate humor, or to spend more time with our kids, or to share selfless love with our spouse, or to offer someone who is helpless and needy some practical help, or to address your addiction. Sadly, many of us in those moments, we hear the word prompting us to do those things and we reason, I don't have time to do that now. I'll do it later. Or we reason, you know what, maybe that's not really the Spirit telling me that. I'm sure God will figure out some other way to accomplish that good thing. Humbly accept the word planted in you and do what it says. Why? Because the word 
is Jesus. He is offering us love. Unmerited, sin-crushing, sinner-saving, life-giving, pure and perfect, forever love from the living God. I hope you'll accept that love. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we sit before you humbled, sometimes troubled by your word, encouraged by your word, and comforted by your word, but, but stirred up by your call to action. And Spirit, I pray in this moment that you would, you would speak to each one of us and give us something very practical that you want us to do in response to your loving instruction this week. Spirit, show us how to be not just listeners of your word, but doers of your word. In your name, Jesus, we pray.